Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from our pastor at Hatchbend Apostolic Church. To speak the word with courage and confidence, not in me, but in him. Amen. In the sure ability of his word to challenge and change us and mold us and shape us together in Jesus' name. Amen. I want the Lord to have his way. And so I'm just going to ask you, if you will, to join with me and pray, and let's ask the Spirit of God to just minister to us today. Lord, I love you, and I thank you so very much for the opportunity that you've given all of us to be here today. And I thank you for the privilege that you have given me to be able to speak to such a wonderful congregation And I pray this morning that your heavenly anointing would be upon my mind and my heart and my lips. And I pray that I can stay focused, God, upon the main thing today. And that is your word. Strengthen us together. Amen. By the power of the Holy Ghost, we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. And you can be seated. Thank you for being here. And thank you for already just connecting to what uh, the Lord is doing in our midst this morning. And I pray that he will just continue to use all of us. This past Wednesday night, I did, uh, we've been in a series teaching on the book of James for some time now. And Wednesday night, we begin in chapter 3. And uh, I was teaching on the subject of taming the tongue. And it's... uh, more ground than we could cover in one service, so I divided this particular passage up into two parts, and today I want to I want to do my best to get to the end of this, and pray that the hand of the Lord will touch our our lives today. Amen. I want to spend just a few minutes, if I can, at the very outset to summarize some of the things that we discussed Wednesday night, as some of you Uh, may not have been here, and so we'll just kind of make sure that we're at least a little bit on the same page. But uh, the tongue James deals with uh, very blatantly in his writings. It is mentioned in every chapter of his letter. Uh, So all five chapters we read of some reference to the tongue and how important it is our speech gives us away. And so how important it is that we are mindful of that. With the tongue, man can praise God. We can certainly testify of his goodness. We've been doing that already today in just the first few moments of this service. And, and uh, I feel confident that many of you prayed this morning about this service before you even came uh, to the house of the Lord. And so we can praise God and magnify him. But with that same tongue, we can slander and gossip and what Solomon refers to as whispering and uh, um, in in the course of that it's a very powerful thing Um, it's a very powerful thing the the gift of speech as I mentioned Wednesday night um, the, the gift of speech is multifaceted because 
we are not just speaking, but when we speak, we become influencers. And then we are going to be accountable then for the kind of influence uh, that we inflict upon others just through our communication. You know, I, I know it's been in the news for quite some time, and I'm not really even sure if I heard the total outcome of it all. Um, and I'm, I'm not here to bring up a controversial subject, but just thinking about influence, uh, some time back a young man uh, obviously was mentally unstable to some degree and uh, was considering committing suicide. And while in the course of this, he was texting back and forth with his girlfriend. And, uh, and so she was in severe trouble because of her influence. And um, it, was, it was not speech, audio, audible speech, but in texting. And, and today, that is certainly a valid form of communication. And so uh, my point being not guilty or innocent, my point is being that we are influencers. When we speak, we influence someone's life. And, um, and so we have to be very careful. It's a powerful thing. I also said Wednesday night that the tongue, you have to be careful because it's a revealer. It'll tell on you. And uh, it's a tattler, and it'll tell on the heart, and it discloses the real person. And uh, we can dress it up, and as uh, the old saying, you can put lipstick on a pig, but it's still a pig. And uh, and so we can dress it up, and uh, it just kind of tells it. Just there, there it is in in its raw form and fashion. So, in order to impress upon the reader the importance of controlling our speech and the consequences of our words. James, in um, the first 12 verses of chapter 3, gives six illustrations. And he compared it to the bit that's in a horse's mouth, the rudder that's on a ship. Those are the two things that we discussed Wednesday night. And uh, and then he talks about, uh, in scriptures we'll consider today, fire, a poison. And he talks about a fountain and a fig tree. And so if we take these six word pictures that James gives us, we can take these six word pictures and put them into three meaningful categories. And that is with two of these, you can guide or direct. With two of these, the next two of these, you can destroy or tear down. And with the final two of these, you can, you can build or lift up. And um, so I, I want to be very careful to understand the power that God has given us when he gives us the privilege to speak and the ability to communicate. So these categories reveal uh, three powers of the tongue. Wednesday night I talked about the power to guide and direct like a bit in the horse of, in the mouth of a horse or a rudder that is on uh, a ship. The, the tongue has a unique ability to persuade and uh, that's what really a, the rider of a horse is doing is persuading that beast to do what he would have it do or she would have it do. And uh, the rudder um, the rudder turns a ship and, and directs and guides. And, and uh, so with our words, we cause things to happen. We, um, the, the mere one writer in the Bible who was a leader of men himself, he said, I say to some, go here, and they go there. And to others, you go here and they go there. And so our speech, it sets things into motion. It causes something to happen. And so the rudder turns the ship and, 
And uh, like, just like that small rudder turning a large vessel, we can set big events into motion with just a few words, just a few words. And uh, uh, there's several uh, married folk here today that set a, a huge, huge thing into motion in your life with two words. And you said, I do or I will, and, and uh, the ship left the port, <laughs> took you at your word, and uh, we made a commitment there. And so it can set big things in, in, to, into motion. And so vile words can, uh, horrible words can cause people to struggle in their walk with God. Things that are said to them, the power of words to inflict wounds upon people that cause them to struggle in their walk with God, or uh, to use some scripture terminology, a word fitly spoken. A word fitly spoken can draw people closer to God, the power of words. And so we should remember this considering the bit and the rudder, that the bit and the rudder, each and of themselves, the bit when you're done is going to hang in the barn somewhere. The rudder is just hanging there bolted, uh, if you please, to the, to the bottom back of a ship. It has no power of its own, not really. It has no power of its own. In order for the rudder to be successful or the bit to have any measure of success, they must submit themselves to the hand of the rider or the hand of the captain of the ship in order for any good to come out of them. And so I, I pray, God, that you would help me to submit this to your hand and your will and let there be something positive set in motion forever and always when we're in your presence. We discussed the fact that the heart is the fountain from which all words flow. And so no man can see the heart, and we can't know the heart. Uh, Jeremiah 17 and 9 the scripture says the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Jeremiah asked a very serious question. Who could truly know what is in your heart? I, I don't like to say things for, uh, for shock value at all. I, uh, I think sometimes that can kind of cheapen the process. But, so I don't want you to think I'm just trying to shock you by saying this. But what we have to understand is that our heart, our flesh, what we are made of, our humanity. You that are sitting here this morning and you're in, just looking so nice and pretty and handsome, we are made of the same thing that the most diabolical killer of all times have been made of. I'm not just trying to shock you for shock value's sake, but it's the truth. And so you, you, go, find, you go find the worst serial killer recorded in history in America or in the world and when you stand them beside you, we are made of the identical thing. And so we would, we would be very, very arrogant to think, well, I would never do that. Well, they, would, they probably never dreamed they would do that. And so we don't know what motions got set. You know, we don't know what set those things in motion in their life. And many, many times, many times, there are events that set those things in motion. And... Uh, I have said many times to parents privately and publicly uh, about our children, and I think we can not just talk about literal children, but in our youth and, and um, different things of that nature, that if you speak to the fool in a child, the fool will rise. But if you speak to the king or the queen in a child, the king or the queen will rise. 
And I've heard parents say, and I, I don't know that they uh, are thinking this all the way through. I don't think they're being sinister, but you keep, you keep telling a child you're so mean and they'll live up to your expectations. And so we have to be very, very careful uh, to, to make sure what we say, we can set loose things in the life of, uh, of, of someone, somebody. Uh, we have to be honest and true. Obviously, we know that, but the tongue makes it evident for us to see what's going on. So I want to be very careful that my heart stays right. And so today we're going to move into two other powers that the tongue contains and uh, the power to tear down, uh, the power to uh, destroy And so we're going to pick up reading James 3 and verse number 5. And the Bible says in verse number 5, Even so the tongue is a little member, and boasteth great things. Behold how great a matter a little fire kindleth. The tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. So is the tongue among our members that it defileth the whole body, and setteth on fire, listen to this, Sentence. We're going to come back to this. And setteth on fire the course of nature, and it is set on fire of hell. For every kind of beast and of birds and of serpents and of things in the sea is tamed and hath been tamed of mankind, but the tongue can no man tame. It is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. And so the next thing that James compares the tongue to is fire. Fire has an amazing capacity to reproduce itself in in the right environment. It can reproduce itself in an almost unlimited way because as long as it has fuel to burn, uh, then it, it, it can just keep, continue to burn. It can keep going. Uh, other things don't have that same nature. If we were to consider water, for example, water cannot multiply itself. When you pour it out, no matter where you poured it or what you poured it on, it's, it's just done. It's just there. That's it. When you empty the cup, it was just a cup of water. It can't reproduce itself. But fire has the ability to feed on itself. And so if there is significant, uh, sufficient flammable material, if there's enough oxygen to sustain combustion, then fire could burn. Theoretically, it could burn indefinitely. So Solomon made the following observation in Proverbs 16, 27. He said, An ungodly man diggeth up evil, and in his lips there is a burning, there, and in his lips there is as a burning fire. So James's comparison to the tongue and fire is a very accurate, a very accurate comparison. Because our words can start fires. How many of you have ever used this term? Well, I got to go put some fires out. <laughs> right. And uh, because someone just carelessly said something or whatever, just set something into motion. And, uh, you know, it's very sad, but the human, uh, in general, the human mind, uh, it, the National Enquirer has it right. Inquiring minds want to know. And, and so there's an inquisitive nature in, human, in humanity, and so we have to be careful that we don't buy everything that just comes down the, the line. I would hope that someone would be a defender along the way. If you heard, you know, somebody just stopped you randomly and you know, said, did you hear that Jerry Herndon robbed the uh, Capital City Bank yesterday? I would, you know, I would think before that made it to the newspaper, somebody would say, 
just doesn't sound right. That just doesn't sound right. Am I, am I right about that? Why would a man of his means rob the bank? <laughs> I did not mean to put your business in the street like that. Power of words. Power of words. So we can start fires. Solomon said in 26 and 20, where no wood is, there the fire goeth out. So where there is no talebearer, the strife ceaseth. So how do you stop? How do you stop all the chatter? Amen. When, when there's no talebearer, when there's nobody to bear the tail, when there's nobody to carry it to the next level, it just kind of stops. It just kind of all plays out. And verse 21 says, as coals are to burning coals and wood to fire, so is a contentious man to kindle strife. And so sometimes through the spirit of contention, people just keep dropping coals on it and another piece of wood, so to speak. And so we have to be very, very careful that we don't contribute to that, but to be someone to put that out. And I'm thankful for friends in my life that help me stay in control of things like random conversations or just casual conversations because conversations have the ability like automobiles to run off the road. I'm thankful to have friends that help keep that on the road and I want to be that kind of friend to help keep that on the road and you can do that without sounding and waxing all self-righteous. We sure can. Amen. So we have to be careful. We can't just say what we think. Uh, it, it ought to be it ought to be filtered. There ought to be a pause of some sort. David wrote in the thirty ninth Psalm in verse number three. He said, "My heart was hot within me while I was musing. The fire burned. Then spake I with my tongue. Poor timing. When your heart is hot, when your heart is hot, and while I was musing, the fire just continued to burn." Then I opened my mouth <laughs> and I spake with my tongue. And uh, we've all had that experience, right? I mean, when the coals were at their peak, we just... Poof. Amen. A hot head and a heart... A, heart, a hot head and a hot heart. That'll lead to things you regret later. If I could take that back, if I could just reel that, if we could stop time, go back just a little bit. So no wonder Solomon wrote in, in Proverbs 27, or 17, 27, excuse me, he that hath knowledge spareth his words, and a man of understanding is of an excellent spirit. So he that has knowledge spareth his words. He is kind of sparing with those things and doesn't say a whole lot, but it may be revealing his true wisdom Solomon, again, the same writer of Proverbs, wrote the book of Ecclesiastes, a different point in his life. And so in a different point, the same writer says in Ecclesiastes 5 and 2, Be not rash with thy mouth, and let not thine heart be hasty to utter anything before God, for God is in heaven and thou upon earth, therefore let thy words be few. Amen. Here's a man at the end of his life, the wisest man of all time. At the end of his life, the book of Ecclesiastes is a journal 
of his entire life. And here's what he has to say. He said, I don't want to be rash with my mouth and I want my words to be few. And there's some real, real wisdom in that one single verse. Because fire spreads. The more fuel you give it, the faster and the further it will spread. And the Bible says in James 3, 6, the tongue setteth on fire the course of nature. A person's entire life or in some can be injured or in some cases people's lives can be destroyed by the tongue. You know, I've just no it's no wonder that the that the Lord and through his word admonishes us to pray for those that have the rule over us, to pray for the leadership of our country and things of that nature. Um, you know, when I just read about all the things people, the media and different things, like digs up on people, I just say it's amazing anybody would run for any office. I mean, who wants people just rummaging through your garbage can? I mean, it's just crazy. But thank God people have the, the, the desire and the calling, I feel, uh, to some degree upon their life to do that. But when you find people that have just kind of been singled out and their lives have been injured or sometimes destroyed just by things that are there, um, and so it's something worth considering here, I, I think that we should be very careful and understand that time nor anything else can correct the sins of the tongue. Stay with me for a moment, and, and if you don't get anything else, let's get this. We can sin with our lips... And then we can confess our sins of speech and we can repent and get forgiveness for that. I want you to understand where I'm going with this. But hear me, the damage, the damage that those words inflict continues on just like a fire spreading. You can say, I'm sorry and I repent. That person can forgive you. God can forgive you. But there's one thing that can't happen. We can't stop those words. We can't go back and mop that up. We can't erase it out of your mind. You can't unhear some things. Amen. I, I, I promise you, I desperately would love to unhear some things. And uh, just let that be gone. But words simply cannot be taken back. We say that. I want to take that back. And, and, I, and as pure as our heart may be, and I'm not trying to paint a gray world here, but we have to understand the power of what we say is said. It is there. It's just ringing throughout the ages. And so in the end of verse 6, James make a, makes a statement that the uncontrolled tongue, he said, is set on fire of hell. The phrase is particularly powerful uh, because of the term that James uses for hell. In James 3 and 6, this particular scripture in the, in the New Testament is the only place that we find the word hell in this context used, used except in the Gospels where Jesus Christ himself used the word hell, meaning the same thing. The word hell that Jesus uses in the Gospels and now the word hell that James is using here in James 3 and 6 actually means the valley of Hinnom. The Valley of Hinnom. Now, bear with me for just a moment to explain this because we have to understand the power of this thing that's in our mouth. The Valley of Hinnom is a deep gorge southwest of Jerusalem. This is where uh, trash and the bodies of dead animals were dumped. In, in addition to that, this is where 
executed, the bodies of executed criminals were taken and their bodies would be burned there. Some Canaanite and, and even some Israelite worshipers had originally used the Valley of Hinnom for other reasons. They used the valley to sacrifice their children. Are you hearing me? They used this valley to sacrifice their children as burnt offerings to the pagan god of Molech. Thankfully, they did this, uh, or they did this, but thankfully, King Joash or Josiah permanently put a stop to this under his rule. But nevertheless, this this valley of Hinnom was a a, a, a very uh, dirty, a very nasty, a very uh, horrible place. This is a place where trash and garbage and dead animals and the bodies of criminals were taken to uh, raw and or burn. It was a place for obvious reasons that is considered to be unclean and unfit for decent usage. And so it's become just a dump where all the filth of Jerusalem and the surrounding areas were taken. Now, I don't mean to to be insensitive here, but I want you to please hear the severity of what James is referring to because the fire burned all the time and because it was a place of death, according to historians, maggots were always present there. I think that's easy enough for us to understand that. You got dead animals and dead bodies and they're burning what can be burned and things of that nature. It was a place of death. And so when Jesus used this term to represent the eternal, never-ending torment of hell, it's outlined in Mark 9 and 46. Jesus said this, Mark 9, 46, where the worm dieth not and the fire is not quenched. There are two elements that are at work here. Amen, the internal corruptions. Amen, their worm. There's gonna be an internal destruction. And then the fire that was an external consuming force. So destroyed from within and destroyed from without. Amen, that is to say that the tongue is set on fire by hell indicates that this is Satan's tool and we need to be very, very careful that I yield this to the work of God and let this be the masterwork of God and a masterpiece of God and not a tool that I put in the hand of Satan. Amen, that means that we're fulfilling heaven, hell's purpose when we pollute and when we corrupt and when we destroy. Like a fire, the tongue can be unbelievably dangerous. Amen, it can set things into motion that we never dreamed would be in motion. Just... Uh, in, in recent times, in recent times, the fire that got away in uh, Tennessee in the Gatlinburg Pigeon Forge area that burned up millions and millions of dollars worth of real estate, homes, and things of that nature. In 1991, I was preaching a conference in Oakland, California. There had just prior to my leaving to go out there, there had been some massive fires that had burned thousands of acres and countless homes. While I was there one afternoon in between the services, a pastor friend of mine took me into one of these housing developments and as we drove in on ground level, uh, so to speak, in, into the entrance of this development, uh, there were homes there that, that were burned and they looked like typical burned homes that we would see in Florida. 
you could see the outline of the home. You could see the appliances that were all still there. You could see cars that were completely burned out but in the driveway, but you could make out what everything was. You could find the stove and the refrigerator, and you could find the automobile and things of that nature. We've, we've all been witness to those things. But as we begin to look higher and higher up on the hill, all I could see was gray, ashy areas. And I, I was curious, and I asked him, I said, what, what is that? I, it's, it's not even discernible. And these gray areas around that mountainside were homes where the fire had been so intense until it turned everything to ash and it melted the metal down to nothing. And so I'm telling you today that the fire is hot and it's intense and it destroyed everything in its path. It left nothing discernible behind. Amen. I I promise you I've never seen anything like that before or after. Amen. But it put an impression in my heart. Lord, help me to be careful that I don't start a fire. It may just do a, it may just smoke up this little place over here, but if the wind catches it. It just may, it just may cause a little bit of soot damage over here, but if the wind catches it and it keeps going up the mountainside, after a while, someone's not going to suffer a little damage, but they're going to lose everything that they have. And so not only is the tongue like a fire, but, but it's like a dangerous animal, James says. It's restless. It can't be ruled. It seeks its prey. Then it pounces and it kills. It's like uh, the wild animal. It, it can spread poison. The deceptive thing about poison is that it works secretly. And many times it works slowly. And then it kills. How many times has a malicious person injected just a little bit of poison into a conversation? Not a lethal dose, just a little bit of poison into a conversation. And it just set loose in the bloodstream. And here it is, it's a poison. Amen, they were hoping that it would spread. And finally, and after a while, in fact, it does. Amen, poisonous tongues do great damage, not only to individuals, but they do damage to families. And they do damage to churches. And it can do damage to businesses. It can do damage to the very company where you work. Just the, just the chatter, the chatter, the chatter, all the talk. Somebody's got something going on all the time. If you work for a big company, you know I'm telling you the truth. Have you heard? Did you know? And there's just always, you know, just, some people just really enjoy, I think, uh, just kind of dropping a little bomb and walking you know, they say that people that are arsonists and things of that nature, uh, they have a curiosity about them that many times while the building is burning that they have set on fire, they're standing in the crowd watching it burn. That's statistically proven to be true. That many times the culprit is right there. I mean, that kind of sounds... Odd in our way of thinking. You, you would think that they would be on the interstate heading out of town as fast as they could get, but they're standing right there. They're watching the chaos. They're watching. The, something is really wrong here. When you're watching and you know that somebody's losing everything that they have and children are dying in these apartment buildings and are you with me here? And you're standing here and you're standing here watching, you're standing here watching not only innocent people lose their lives, but other innocent people risk 
their lives to try to save them. And you're standing here as though you're just watching some uh, entertainment. This is entertaining you somehow. I'm telling you there's something wrong with someone's heart. There's something wrong with someone's heart when you can just say something, set a fire, and you just step back and watch it burn. And while people are trying to pull their lives back together, and sometimes it may have been a life's work is going up in smoke, things that are going to be destroyed in this fire that you'll never be able to replicate that. You can't get it back. You can't get it back. And so we have to be very, very careful. He reminds us of how dangerous this is, poison tongues, he said uh, that, that animals can be tamed. And he said, for that matter, fire can be controlled in some cases. So what James is saying, he said, when you tame an animal, what you get is a worker instead of a destroyer. When you control a fire, you generate power and heat. But then James <coughs> shares this incredible truth <coughs> that man cannot tame the tongue. It can, however, be tamed by God. And so our tongue doesn't have to be set on fire of hell. Like the apostles at Pentecost, it can be set on fire of heaven. <laughs> Cloven tongues like as a fire. Amen. I, I have often said in teaching people about the evidence of the Holy Ghost, or the Holy Ghost being evidenced by speaking with other tongues. I've often used this illustration that I think the beauty of this is that James says that no man can tame the tongue and we know that unruly member and he lists all these things that can be tamed or things that uh, have the ability to have someone guide them or control them but no man can tame the tongue and so I don't think it's arbitrary that God himself chose the tongue <laughs> to yield itself to his spirit as evidence that he has taken up residence in the heart. Amen. And so I think I, I don't think that's just a random thing. I believe that, that he says, I'm going to take that and I'm going to yield that to myself. And so if God lights the fire, he's going to control the fire. Then the tongue can be used as a mighty tool, a tool to win the loss, a tool to build up other people, a tool to build up the church, a, build, a tool to build up the community and things around them. Amen. The important thing, of course, here is the heart. The heart, that's command central. Amen. There is the the heart of it all. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. If a heart is filled with carnality, then you can rest assured Satan is going to light that fire. But if the heart is filled with the love of God, amen, God is going to light that fire. Finally, we come to the positive power of the tongue. It has the power to build up. James 3, 9 through 12, the Bible says, Therewith bless we God, even the Father, and therewith curse we men, which are made after the similitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceedeth blessing and cursing. James says, My brethren, these things ought not so to be. Doth the fountain send forth at the same time place does the fountain send forth at the same place sweet water and bitter? Can a fig tree, my brethren, bear olive berries, either of vine figs? So can no fountain both yield salt water and fresh. 
He's not trying to insult anybody. He's just trying to get it on the middle shelf where we can all understand it, that you can't have bitter and sweet out of the same vessel. One thing is not gonna bear another fruit. It just can't be that way. The fountain, of course, provides cool water. And men, mankind needs water to even stay alive. In Oriental countries, the presence of fresh of a fresh water fountain is a great blessing. Not just a blessing to one family, but it's a great blessing to an entire village because man needs water. We don't need water to just sustain life, but we need water for washing. We need water for cooking. A host of other things that water is necessary for life. Solomon said, the mouth of a righteous man is a well of life. The mouth of a righteous man is the well, is the well of life. I'm telling you, I'm in so encouraged by, by people who are positive. I'm not talking about just the power of positive thinking. But I love people who are so positive about the word of the Lord. Amen. One of my, one of my great friends and our friend together collectively as a church, Brother Stacy Thomas, I was talking to him on the phone the other day and we were just talking about something and he just started quoting a scripture, just some random scripture way out somewhere and he said, you know, the word of the Lord says and he just began to quote that scripture and I told him, I said, you know what? I'm going to make it a point from this day forward that I'm going to call you every Saturday night of my life. I want you to just grab me and just stand me as high on the pedestal as you can get me and encourage me and then send me off to face the troops on Sunday morning. Amen. I'm going to tell you, amen, the mouth of a righteous man is just a well of life. I mean, just a well of life. I wasn't discouraged. I don't don't read anything into that, but I'm just telling you, he just put my foot on a solid rock because a righteous man was the well in his mouth, the well of life. Solomon said in in, uh, the 13th chapter, Chapter in verse 14, the law of the wise is a fountain of life to depart from the snares of death. Proverbs down, we drop down now to verse chapter 18 and verse number four. The words of a man's mouth are as deep waters. Amen. The words of a man's mouth are as deep waters and the wellspring of wisdom as a flowing brook. Amen. These verses parallel what James has written and they underscore the importance of our words, what we say. Can I tell you today, and I'm not gonna dig into your heart too deeply here, but can I tell you that all of us, even in our childhood, had the course of our life somewhat set for us by the words that were spoken to us in our childhood. If somebody talks down to you your entire childhood, you're gonna need something very powerful to happen in your life to change the trajectory and the course of your life. If somebody, if you grow up believing you can't, you will be convinced that you can't in your adulthood. I'm thankful for people in my life, amen, that spoke positive things. We all have had negative experiences, don't get me wrong, but I'm thankful for those positive things. And I'm not talking about superficial positive things to just tell people they can just do anything and be anything, and that's not always accurate. Everybody born is not a rocket scientist. There was one born May the 9th, 1962. I know that wasn't. I'll just talk about that guy. I know him pretty good most days. And, And so... I'm not talking about being superficial. 
but to cultivate. And when we fall down, somebody be there to help us up and to stand us back up and to say it's all going, it's going to be all right. It's going to be all right. I remember working for a man some years ago and I had made a pretty serious and a pretty costly mistake and it didn't take but just a second, just a lapse, a moment of lapse judgment. And now, I mean, it just set a number of things into motion and it's gonna cost hundreds and hundreds of dollars to turn this around and fix it. I felt so bad. I felt so horrible. The owner of the company had to come out and there we all stood. And, and I, I just was so ashamed because in truth, I knew better than to do what I was doing, but you're just trying to push the envelope to get something done. We've all been there. And so I didn't know what he was gonna say. Didn't know how he was gonna respond. And, and I just looked at him and, and I said, I am so sorry. And he put his arm around me and with these few words he said you know what if we're not making mistakes we're probably not learning wow (laughs) we're talking about the man who had to pay for this mess and I thought about what in the world I would have done how I felt bad enough as it was if he had shown up cutting up You know what I'm saying? I already felt bad enough and he just righted the ship. He said, you know, if we're not making mistakes, we're probably not learning. And into all those years, I've I've never made that same mistake again. So I learned something. At his expense, (laughs) but I learned something. I learned something. Not only did I learn something natural and literal, but I also learned something to share with others. So when somebody else is standing there in the blood, their own mistake, the last thing you need to do is take their head off. They probably need your arm around their shoulder saying, you know what? If we're not making mistakes, we're probably not learning something. Let's just move on. Let's, let's go on. Let's mop up all this and move on. Everybody all right? Praise God. Amen. The Lord is just got my, this deep into my heart today and I pray that the Spirit of God will help us. Amen. And so he talks about these wellsprings of wisdom. And these verses, the water of life, water is life-giving and our words can give life. However, we all know that if water is not controlled, that same thing that can bring such refreshing can also bring death and destruction. In August of 2016, a year ago, in Livingston, Paris, Louisiana, this parish suffered uh, many neighboring parishes, but this parish the most, our parish is what Louisiana refers to as their counties. So we would call that a county, Livingston County. But Livingston, Paris, Louisiana suffered a catastrophic flood. At least 13 people were killed and roughly 60,000 buildings were destroyed. The overall cost uh, of, the, of that disaster cost in the neighborhood of $10 billion and is noted as the worst natural catastrophe in the United States since Hurricane Sandy in 2012. I found this interesting, and I know sometimes big, big statistics can rock our world and it's hard to wrap our heads around it, but I'll share this with you. I found it interesting that, that uh, meteorologists estimated that in the course of one week, in the course of one week, that 6.9 trillion gallons of water battered the state of Louisiana in just seven days. The sheer volume of water, seven trillion gallons of water, would be enough to fill more than 
10 and a half million Olympic-sized swimming pools. It was a catastrophe. Water uncontrolled. That same thing that we got to have to get our plants to grow. and Same thing we got to have to wash and to, to eat. And the same thing we have to have to, li- to live. But if it just comes in such volumes where there's no control, we've got trouble. Amen. And so if it's not controlled, it's going to bring death. And so we can't forget those powerful words of Solomon. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Amen. Proverbs 18 and 4 says, The words of a man's mouth are as deep waters. Deep waters. And so we go to a water fountain and we get a drink of cool water. We rarely think about floods at that moment. Because generally I pick the water fountain that's got water barely coming out of it. <laughs> it's very hard for me to think about a flood there. We very rarely think about floods, but we only think about the precious gift of water and how refreshing it is and, and, and how much refreshment comes with that fresh, cool water. Additionally, water is a cleansing agent. There's a laver in the Old Testament tabernacle in the temple and it was provided for the cleansing of the priest's hands and feet. And God's word is that spiritual water. It bathes us, it washes us. But our words to others can also help and cleanse and sanctify them. Our words can help people. It can clean them and lift them up and give them confidence. Our words, I was reading this uh, just uh, Friday or yesterday, the book of Ezekiel, I was reading in the 47th chapter. And you know where it starts out with a man with a line in his hand and he stretched it out uh, so far and then he stretched it out again. Then he stretched it out again. He said, now it is going to become a river and so it just starts out ankle deep and then uh, uh, and then knee deep and then to the loins and then water to swim in and then he talks about this water now that's flowing out from under this door has now become a river and the Lord said through Ezekiel that when this river flows that everything that this water touches is going to be blessed it's going to flourish it's going to it's, it's whatever it touches now you think about that we're not just talking about a squirt bottle of a little bit of water, a mist of water. But this has now turned not just to ankle deep but to waters to swim in. Now a river that is flowing and the word of the Lord said and whatever this water touches, it's going to be refreshed. Amen. We'd just like to send word downstream. We'd like to just holler downstream and say, hey, hey, Cypress Tree, get ready. Here it comes. Amen. Hey, hey, Oak Tree, get ready. Stretch your roots a little bit deeper. There's something coming. It's going to refresh you. It's going to bring life. He said everything this touches. I say today God help our lips help our mouth to be like that river that is described in Ezekiel 47 and 9. Amen. Solomon said hallelujah. Solomon said the lips of the righteous feed many. Jesus said the words that I speak unto you they are spirit and they are life. I didn't come to tear down. I come to build up. I didn't come to pull apart. I come to put it all back together. I didn't come to destroy, but I come to build. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The Lord sent this word to Ezekiel. Amen. Thank God. Amen. The, the, again, another writing of Ezekiel. And if the ushers are out there and the Sunday school kids, children are out there, just feel free to bring them in. Amen. Whenever you need to do that. The words of Ezekiel 47. I want to also 
consider another scripture. I'm almost done. Don't panic. But uh, the Lord sent his word uh, to his people in the mouthpiece of Ezekiel in the 16th chapter and in verses five and six. Now this is when Jerusalem was in real trouble. Amen. His God's own people were in real trouble. Amen. Are you with me now? Amen. They were in trouble. Ezekiel 16 and five, he said, none I pitied thee to do any of these unto thee. I, to have compassion upon thee but thou was cast out in the open field to the loathing of thy person in the day that thou was born in verse number six he said and when I pass by thee get this word picture will you when I pass by thee and I saw thee polluted in thine own blood I said unto thee when amen when where I said to thee while thou wast in thy blood live amen yea I said unto thee when thou was in thy blood live hallelujah when Jesus when the Lord was standing looking at Jerusalem in her mess he came by with a word he came by with a word and that word was don't die you're in your blood it would seem that that's the most logical next step you're laying in your own blood there are people mankind might have said just go ahead and die just go ahead and give up but the Lord said while you were in your blood I said live amen he said I'm telling you he said it twice while thou wast in thy blood I said live there is power in words there's power in words and when we see people standing in the middle of their mess we don't need to come by and push them down further we ought to come by there and say in the name of Jesus live in the name of the Lord God I say live we've got the Holy Ghost ladies and gentlemen amen we've got the power of God living in our heart abiding in our lives we have the word on our side words that said live when Jesus stepped to the tomb of Lazarus he didn't have a wand in his hand he wouldn't have a deck of cards in his hand he didn't have playing dice in his hand he stood there with nothing in his hand but he had something in his heart he had life in his heart and he said with his words Lazarus come forth and death had to give up (laughs) death had to give up I'm talking about the power of words you can come. There have been more than one 
season of my life. Just like you. When I didn't know if I could make it or not. Now don't get squirrely on me now. I didn't know if I could go or not. Some of those are so burned into my spirit, I remember almost the date. I do remember the month and the years of just some. When I was standing and laying and sitting in the blood, And God woke a preacher up hundreds of miles away and laid a message on their heart to preach at a meeting that I was going to be attending. And pardon me if you think I'm being arrogant. I'm not at all anything but. But I felt like God just slid everybody in that building out of the way and said, i got to hear. i got to reach him. that man of God rode to my side and said live 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 I'm not talking about reading your address and your birthdays and I'm, I'm talking about somebody that just come along I'm just telling you the word picture I have in my mind and you pardon me if you think I'm being silly Amen, but I just felt like that man of God rode in on a white stallion and just slid to my side. And when the dust settled, he just looked and said, live, live. Somehow, somehow there was enough life in those words. You just pick yourself up. Am I being too honest with you today? I hope not. I've shuddered to think what would have happened if somebody else had slid up to my side at that vulnerable moment and said, you know, you ought to catch it all then. I don't blame you. I'd quit too if I were you. I, I would do this too if I were you. Someone could have said, die. And I may have just rolled over and said, you know, it's enough. It's enough, enough, enough. We've all been there. I'm not... I'm not trying to talk about anything that hasn't been in your life, in your mind, in your heart. Praise God. I tell you all the time, and Sister Boyd and I don't you know this. We don't live in these two little back rooms. We don't just they don't just pop us out here on Sunday and Wednesday. We live in the real world. Pay the same amount for gas you do. We live in the same exact world. Here's, here's, here's how exact our worlds are. Had a little problem with our car a few weeks ago, put it in the shop. I wasn't worried about a thing because we bought the extended warranty. So when I called to see how much everything's going to be, they said, well, see, you bought the silver plant. This is culvert under the gold plant. That's how similar our worlds are. Had a problem with my truck the other day, but I'm not worried about it. I got an extended warning. 
service manager said, and, and what's the company of your extended warranty? I gave him the number and said, I heard, <laughs> true. I've never even heard of that company. That's what she said. <laughs> I hung up feeling just like you. For some strange reason, it didn't cover it either. That's how similar our worlds are. <laughs> our Sunday school department's here going, what in the world is this guy talking about? He said, live. He said, live. And so I pray God help us to be like that blessed man. And so if you and I are going to have tongues that build up, lift up, repair, build bridges, correct breaches, then we must meet the Lord every day and learn from Him. Amen. And I've got to get my spiritual roots deep into His Word. And can I tell you today, I'm not being demeaning of any programs we have, but when I say getting our spiritual roots deep into his word, I'm not just talking about reading real quickly down through a bread program so we can just check off the box and kind of speed reading and we don't have any clue what we read when we set it down. I'm talking about getting into his word, let that word get in our heart, meditate, think, close the Bible a minute, think about that, write down some notes and consider that. We've got to pray and, and permit God's spirit to fill our, our heart and God's love to fill our heart with his word and his truth and our hearts have got to be steadfast. Now, I, I truly, uh, I'm, not, I'm not just threatening this. I really am trying to find the end of all this. I sent a text message last night. I was telling a pastor friend of mine, I said, I've, I have this many pages of notes today. I'm doing my best to try to, he, and, and so this morning I said, you know, I, I worked on it. I got it down by one page, and he sent me back this text. He said, you're poor congregation. So somebody's praying for you today. An anonymous pastor is praying for you, as Brother Danny would say, over yonder, that way. Is that what he said? Over yonder. <laughs> we have prayer. We have prayer. And so James says this. He said, we expect fig trees to bear figs and olive trees bear olives because the nature reproduces after its kind. So if a tongue is inconsistent, then there's something radically wrong with the heart. If the tongue is uplifting sometimes, tearing down sometimes, something's wrong here. And that's where we've got to look because the tongue reveals what's in the heart. And so we're kidding ourselves if we think that we can bless God one moment with our tongue and then turn around and curse men, so to speak. It's a contradiction that cannot exist. And James explained this truth with three contradictions not in, insulting anybody, but he says, does a fountain send out from the same opening or same fountain? Does it have fresh water and bitter? Well, the obvious answer to that is no. The same spring or fountain cannot issue two different kinds of water. Can a fig tree produce olives, a vine produce figs again? No. It's contrary to nature. It can't happen. Then he states emphatically, so can no fountain yield salt and fresh water. Amen. These examples are so clear. Amen. That it's impossible. No rational person would think twice about bringing, uh, thinking anything contrary to that. So a hateful heart cannot produce loving works. It just won't end. It uh, won't end that way. Work that way. An unrighteous heart 
heart cannot produce righteous words or works. And so the problem, of course, is not the tongue. The tongue's just the teller. It's just the, it's the revealer. Amen. The problem is it's the heart. Amen. The Bible says Jesus in Matthew 15, 18, but those things which proceed out of the mouth come forth where? From the heart. And they defile man. And so today we've covered various things. The powers of the tongue is incredibly powerful. It can be positive or negative. A positive force to compel people to come. A negative force that can push people away and drive people away. Amen. Let's stand together, can we? Can can you get um can you get Proverbs four twenty three real quick? I know I didn't give it to you earlier, but I just instead of reading it, I want us to look at it. Because we would be well advised to heed the words of the wisest man ever. Keep thy heart with all diligence. For out of it are the issues of life. Many of you in this house today have heard both Sister Boyd and I, and, and we don't have this phrase patented, so it's not original to us. But many of you have heard us say this to you when you're going through tough times. Some of the first words that probably popped out of our mouth were this, guard your heart. Because out of it are the issues of life. We can't fix what you're going through right now. We can't change the circumstances. But if I could give you any advice, I would say set a guard at the door of your heart. And don't let bitterness come in. And don't let, don't let the devil come in there and just start planting seeds of doubt and discourse. Guard. I'm not trying to turn this into a marathon, but there's a passage of scripture that I, I feel to, to mention here. And uh, we'll just, I'll give you the second service off. I've been pretty abusive this Sunday morning here. But uh, Nehemiah, um, the latter portion of the book of Nehemiah, when Nehemiah came to the city of uh, Tyre, I think I'm right, there were men of Tyre. When he came to the temple, there were men of Tyre, T-Y-R-E, that were buying and selling in the temple. I'm right there, okay. And uh, so Nehemiah comes along, he's going to clean this up, and he kind of rebukes them, and he said, he said, your fathers, they would, your fathers never, you didn't get this from your fathers. You didn't learn this from them. You, you don't buy and sell here. And so these, uh, these people were told, the, the men of Tyre, Nehemiah said, now you need to go back and don't come back and do this. <coughs> and Nehemiah said, if you come back, I'm going to lay hands on you. It was not prayer. He wasn't talking about praying. I'm going to lay hands on you. And they did come back. And that's when he warned them. He said, if you come back, I'm going to lay hands on you. And so 
And then this is what, this, here's where I'm going with this. <coughs> that Nehemiah said, now what we're going to do is we're going to set my guards at the gate. And we're going to check everybody. This is kind of like going through uh, the line at the airport. We're going to check every bag. And we're going to make sure nobody has stuff to sell. We're going to the temple for the right reason. But in time, Nehemiah said, you're going to have to set your own men. Nehemiah says, in other words, I, I'm not going to spend the rest of my life sending my guys here to make sure you do the right thing. At some point, you've got to set your own men here. At some point, this has to be your own principle that you live by and I'm going to go back home one of these days and my, I'm going to die. I'm going to leave this earth, but you need to get your own. You know where I'm going with this now, right? And so in order for us to keep what James is talking about out of our congregation, it can't be that, that we preach about this once a month. I can. but at some point we ought to set a guard by our own gate a guard by our own heart I'm just not going to do that not because somebody's listening I'm going to do that because this is unhealthy this is tearing down, tearing up it's, this is no good we've got to speak up, we've got to talk up Amen. And I mentioned Wednesday night about Elder Brother Myers in, our, in, a, leadership, uh, in a leadership seminar a few years ago, how he said, and uh, this was powerful, he said, I believe that one of the keys to the success we have had in Palm Bay, and they have a tremendous church in Palm Bay, he said is that in our leadership, that he said we just, we just make sure that everybody talks everything up. Not superficially, not pretentiously, but we need to talk one another up. We need to lift one another up. Now, I, I have been really, really considering whether or not to mention this, but I just think it was just too big of a moment, at least for, in my mind, it was just too big of a moment to not mention this. I don't know how many people caught this, but I don't think I'm alone in this. But a few weeks ago, Brother Stacey Thomas was here, and he preached, and you know what? When he got up in his, some of his just opening remarks, he told a random story that was not connected to anything else. And I took it as a warning. And he got up and he talked about a church that he had pastored and a spirit of gossip. You remember that? He's one of my very best friends. And so I wasn't there in the church with him, but we were there with them. And we walked through this horror show with them. And what did he say? He said our church went all the way down to six people. I know that to be true. We walked with them through that. Then he just went and started preaching. And I just felt like the Lord was sending a warning. Brother Thomas didn't know then and he don't know now that I'm teaching a series on the book of James and we're eventually going to get to chapter 3. But I just felt like the Lord was saying, we need to be careful. We need to be very careful. We need to talk one another up. We need to lift one another up. 
Amen, amen, amen. I'm going to tell you that I need you and you need me. <clears throat> we need one another. We need one another. Amen, play a little something, play a little something, if you will. You know, I must... Uh, I'm not sure how to word this, but the person that you probably feel like you could do without the least, the most, person you think you could do without, that may be the very person that God uses to intercede on your behalf. I've watched strange phenomenons take place over the years and sometimes the person you think maybe that has the least in common somebody's family their children over here is kind of I'm not necessarily over here I'm just using an example kind of running awry and somebody over here who maybe has the least in common with them God would burden them God would use them. So before you start discounting people in your life and thinking you could do without them, that just may be according to today's economy. Maybe you can do without them today. But you don't know in the future just how desperately we're going to need one another. And so I want to lift up those feeble hands and I want to strengthen those weary knees and say, come on, let's walk another mile together. While thou wast in thy blood, live, live. Praise God. Amen. Let's lift our hands. Can we just tap into what perhaps the Spirit of the Lord, I just feel like it would be good for us to walk in this for just a moment. Praise God, praise God. I feel this in my heart. My Lord, I feel this in my heart. I feel like it would be good for us to walk in this for just a moment. Jesus, touch us together, bind us together. Lord, let your spirit, let your power, Lord, let it be woven through our heart and in our mind. Let it be woven, Lord, let it be woven together. Lord, your word teaches us that a threefold cord is not quickly broken. Your word cautions us, whoa, 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 if a man falls and he falls by himself, he has not another to pick him up. Oh, God, help us, help us today to not be lone rangers, to think that we can do this without you or we can do this without our fellow man. Oh, Lord, we need your power and your presence. Come on, church. Amen. I'm just asking you to let your voice be heard. Let your voice be heard. Amen. I'm not talking about noise for noise sake, but we need to let heaven know we agree and we sure need to let hell know that we agree with the word of the Lord to touch us, to strengthen us, oh God. Let the power of the Holy Ghost. Amen. This is a perfect time for the move of the Holy Ghost right now. What a perfect time for a moving of the Spirit of the Lord right now. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Let the power of your word, God, the power of your word, 
God, we're not trying to make something happen with our own with our own human resources today. I'm just, God, asking you to let your word be enough. Let your word be enough. <laughs> hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Don't be ashamed or don't be afraid today to respond. Praise God. Don't be afraid to respond to the word of God. Hallelujah. Your response to the preaching today is not an not a guilt sentence. It's not saying I'm guilty. It's saying, Lord, I want you to help me that I don't become guilty of this. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, bind us together. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806, or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening, and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.